Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Back at it again, Replant Bootcamp, no longer live in Missouri, as fun as that was. I'm back in Florida. You're there in your room as we record and everything is going on. And, uh, you know, we've got the the remnants, the, the side pieces of Hurricane Eta or Ada uh, swiping us a little bit with some weird rain and wind, but not too bad. And so, um, and you guys, you guys continue to get just how many hurricanes is this uh, in the Gulf Coast this year? Do you know? I don't know how many have hit the Gulf, but there I, I listened this morning and the 29th storm system of the year is currently brewing off the coast of Africa right now. It is more than has ever happened in recorded history. Well, you think the Lord's judging the Gulf Coast area in the United States? <laughs> Should we get the charts out and the... And do some episodes on the, the end times. Yeah. <laughs> some John Hagee charts and uh, yeah. see, see what we can come up with. Yeah. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but it's definitely, I saw a meme that had uh, an, an angel with a salt shaker that said historic moments in it. And he was pouring it in <laughs> oh, 2020 and he was, he was not paying attention. And another guy's going, how much did you put in there? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like he's pour, pouring it out of the uh, the the can that refills or the thing that refills the salt shaker, man. It's yeah, just like, yeah. coming, coming. 2020 has definitely been a historic year. Well, we took a little break from talking about change leadership uh, because we had our recording opportunities there in Missouri, and we wanted to take that advantage with the guests that we got to have with Brandon Moore and Evan Skelton. We introduced to you the amazing replant bootcamp hats that you can still yes you can be like gary hinkle and you can win a replant bootcamp hat we'll have that link in this as well but i want to come back and kind of land the plane a little bit bob on the conversation we've been having on leading change we've talked through a whole lot of steps about leading change we'll list those in the show notes as well but i wanted to talk today just about five things to keep in mind uh, as you continue to implement change. Uh, and so I'll just, we'll go kind of one at a time. The, the first one is I think it's so important, Bob, that we continue to operate as a team and make sure that we don't fall into the temptation to go back into isolation and lead in isolation. I think that's really good. You know, we, we've talked about in this series about developing a change leadership team and praying together, thinking together, strategizing together, looking at your church and its context, its situation, and then determining what the Lord has for you. And oftentimes, some of those groups, if you're not careful, they can turn into a bunch of excited folks who think up of a lot of things for you to do as the pastor. And they get all excited, like, pastor, that's great. Like, now we're going to watch you go do these things, and we're going to cheerlead for you, etc. So you have got to work as a team. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make sure that you don't end up with that sort of model where you're doing everything on your own. You, you used a team to help you get here, 
and you need to be a part of a team throughout the whole process. This is that continued equip the saints better together, all the things we've been talking about really all year. And it's so important because one, change leadership is hard, as we've discussed before. And if you try to do it in isolation, then not only will you feel alone in the victories, but you will certainly feel alone in the defeats. And not only will you feel alone, others will point out that they, in their estimation, think it's all your fault when mm-hmm. things go bad. And But also, we're just so much better as a team. That's the way God designed it. God designed it for us to do this, not in individual isolation, but with uh, the kind of the whole corporate body working together, right? Those are the passages that we find of the whole, uh, the analogy of the body, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, all, all of the passages that talk about that. <clears throat> And so first of the five things is make sure that you continue to work as a team, have that change leadership team. We've talked about that a lot. The second one I would say, Bob, is the importance of nonstop communicating the vision of where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do in as many ways and avenues as you can possibly do it. Right. What what's most important here is that sometimes your activity towards the accomplishment of a vision can be confused as the vision. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you've got three, four things that you're doing in an effort to move your church forward towards the goal or towards the vision that God has given you in in that process, sometimes the actual steps can become the vision. And so you've just got to pull back, remind everybody look, here's where we're going. Here's why we're going uh, this direction. Here's what we're going to accomplish if the Lord is gracious to us and provides us the opportunity to do it. Here's what we're about. And uh, it's so important just to keep that vision ahead of everybody because everybody's asking, are we there yet? And um, you, the truth is you never fully accomplish the vision Uh you accomplish steps towards that vision and the vision becomes more reality. But it's if you've done the work right, if you've really thought about what your vision is, it's an ongoing uh, vision that, that will continue to be the vision and, and, and will lead your church forward. Yeah, so you have to think through how are you communicating that and how are you celebrating that? Are you making sure that it's involved in what you preach? And one of the things we said before is if it, if your vision isn't something that you feel like you can incorporate into almost every sermon you preach, then you may need to go back to the drawing board and continue until you make sure you have a vision that's biblical enough uh, and centered on how God has called and wired that church in its individual context and community that it could be incorporated as an application point into almost every sermon that you preach. But it's not just in the preaching. You need to make sure in all the areas of ministry and outreach and efforts and channels of your church that as you think through children's ministry, is is children's ministry helping accomplish that vision? And if so, how? And if not, how? Is youth ministry? Is your music ministry? Is your outreach ministry? What are you doing to make sure that you're accomplishing this biblical God-given vision for your church. And one of the ways to make sure that we stay on track and thinking about that is the third thing I think we need to keep in mind as we implement change, the value of creating and celebrating short-term wins like we talked about before. 
Yes, I, I remember one of the short-term wins, one of the first wins that we had as a church. Um, when we when we had our replant, when we started, we had uh, done some remodeling in the sanctuary. We got rid of the red carpet and the plastic flowers and all those sorts of things. We just had this blank wall, you know, this back wall that was was pretty bare. And I remember uh, the worship leader and one of our guys that was in the worship team, uh, we decided we were going to do some sort of stage decoration for Christmas that was coming up. And we put together a real simple uh, kind of a grid that we put some greenery and some lights on. And you you should have seen the faces of the people who were part of the replant when we did that. It was like, it was like we had done something amazing and wonderful. And th- they came in and you could just kind of tell, it's like, hey, this is awesome. And I know it sounds real simple and it's kind of a, a real uh, small example but it was an example that that was evident visually to everybody that they could see it and they felt like, oh, this is a new change. We're moving forward. Now, there's more important things in your the life of your church than decorating the back wall uh, that's you know behind behind you when you're preaching. You know, if you're celebrating baptisms, you're celebrating new groups, you're celebrating having to start a nursery, uh, all those sorts of things. I mean, just keep that in the forefront before the people and celebrate as much as you can, as often as you can. Yeah, so one of the books we've referenced in this entire thing is uh, Leading Change by John Cotter. And he talks about in his chapter on generating short-term wins, kind of six roles that short-term wins end up playing for us. He says, one is they provide evidence that sacrifices are worth it. Wins greatly help justify the short-term cost involved. And that's such an important piece of this whole thing because when – when we start implementing change in a church, there will absolutely 100% be pain in that process. And when we are able to have some short-term wins in that process, it validates the, the sacrifices that you've made. The second thing he says is reward change agents with a pat on the back. So those who have put in the work, those that have helped lead the vision and seen that when we celebrate those small wins after that hard work, it gives some positive feedback and shows appreciation for those that have done it. The third one that it gives is it helps fine tune the vision and the strategies of the church. Short-term wins give the guiding coalition concrete data on the viability of their ideas. He's obviously talking on a business concept there, but the idea here is that it, it continually communicates for you if you are headed in the right direction as you see those short-term wins happen. But it also, and I love this one that he lists, it undermines cynics and self-serving resistors, right? Uh, and this is, so when, when people want to come against it, one of the things that that is easy for them to fuel that and their criticism is this doesn't seem to be working. So, one of my mentor pastors that I served under in New Orleans, he would always say, wait until you get to do a whole bunch of baptisms on one Sunday. And then for the next four days, change whatever you want to change. Because, <laughs> because those wins buy you so much, right? <laughs> You just load up some baptisms on one Sunday and then change whatever you need to change. All right. So you after after you baptize like five people, you fire the 27-year tenure secretary, 
<laughs> changed the name. You saw a giant pew in half. <laughs> you, yep, yep. <laughs> so maybe maybe not to that extreme, but okay, the idea, right. I took it a little far. Then I took it too far. <laughs> but it does it does undermine when people want to complain and 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 get frustrated with the changes. It it helps to be able to go, hey, but look what's happening because we've done yeah. that, right? I know you didn't want to move out of that room, but look how many babies are in there now and, and how wonderful yeah. that is. How long has it been since we've had babies in this church? And it gives you a point to point towards on that. It also uh, keeps, it, he says, keeps the bosses on board. Um, and so however you want to define bosses in your church, whether that be your elders, your deacons, or the people that tithe the most, um, which is not how you should define that, right? Uh but it keeps people. No, but in a replant, man, you're you're so right. Like the the um, the church boss or the gatekeeper or the bully or power broker, whatever you want to call in, mm-hmm. in every replant or revitalization, there's some folks like that. Now there there may not be, uh, you know, we often speak about them in a negative way. Um, they may have been the ones that really have kept the church going, and and yeah. they may have a lot of emotional and and relational attachments, and they, they want to see the church thrive. But oftentimes, the church is doing the same things it's always done because of those folks. So if they can, if you can get them celebrating with you, man, that's a huge win, an enormous win. Yeah. And like we've talked about before, we want to create short-term wins, and we want to find short-term wins, right? Mm-hmm. So we can create some like the wall behind where you preach. But then you find them in baptisms and in people changing their hearts. And I don't know about you, Bob, but I don't know if there's a stronger bond for a pastor than winning over somebody who used to be against you. And mm-hmm. and I, for me, at least, the people who maybe were some of the most antagonistic against what we were trying to do in the beginning are now my most ardent supporters for what we're trying to do. And that there's something that you go through when you shepherd somebody and not fight them, but you shepherd somebody through being able to see those wins as you work towards the vision. Absolutely. I, I think of a, a gentleman named Claris who was, uh, he was, the, uh, I won't say he's a bully, uh, but he was an influencer. He was, he, he might've been a, a gatekeeper to some degree, but over the, the early days in our replant, I got just a chance to build a, a good relationship with him. And, um, and he became a, a great supporter, even though he and his wife later moved on and went to a different church. Um, one of the best things he, that, that developed between us is just this honesty and this supportiveness. And, and one of the greatest compliments he gave me, and he was not a guy that gave a lot of great compliments, <laughs> but one time I was, uh, just talking about change and casting vision in the sermon. And he just said, Hey, he goes, I, I see what you were doing and I see why you were doing it. He goes, I don't like it and I don't agree with it, but it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Right. So for, for me that, and for him, that was a huge compliment and he'll still call me to this day. Uh, when COVID broke out, he called me because their church had, had canceled meetings and he was hoping ours was still meeting. And he and his wife were going to come. And unfortunately, we were we had just gone online. But uh, he'll call me every once in a while and check in. And uh, I'm just super grateful for him. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's a great joy and a sense of satisfaction when uh, 
when you do win over your critics and when they do become supporters on team. And I, I'll not, I will also say this. There's a great joy and satisfaction when the bullies do leave your church. <laughs> I will mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. But it really pales in comparison to, um, to winning somebody over and, uh, and having them be on the team. Yeah, no, there is definitely a thing called blessed subtractions and amen, and they are real. Uh, that's a real thing. I mean, and, and, and it's a biblical thing. I mean, it's a John mm-hmm. six uh, type moment where, you know, Jesus after feeding the 5,000 and then they want him to just do it forever. Uh, he, he says, okay, we'll eat my flesh and drink my blood and everybody leaves. And, <laughs> and the disciples go, Jesus, why do you, why do you talk like this? And, Lord, that's a hard saying. <laughs> and, and I love, I love, he, he goes, where are you, are you going to leave too? Like, he doesn't even clarify. He just says, I mean, are you going to leave too? And Peter's response is so good, right? Uh, I mean, where else are we going to go? You're it. You're, you're, you're what we got. And, and so there, there are moments where God is going to prune the vine, and, and that doesn't mean that you have failed. It may very well mean that you have succeeded. Now, every time somebody leaves your church, that does not mean that you have succeeded. Uh, but there, but there are there are times when people make an exit, and it was a divine exit that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last one that uh, Cotter gives us of the, the benefit of the short term wins is the one we've really pushed. Is it just builds momentum? Uh, it just we talked about that in that episode where we talked. It's like the Dave Ramsey uh, snowball debt canceling process. It, it, it's, it's not about being what makes the most mathematical sense as much as what makes the most momentum sense and keeping you moving in the same direction where you're supposed to be going. So then the next thing that I want everybody to keep in mind as you implement change is you need to have intentional points of evaluation. Uh, and in that evaluation, I would say that evaluation needs to be strategic and it needs to have people that are on that team. And you need to find there's a time and a place and a way to get evaluation for people who aren't on the leadership team. Maybe people who have joined the church or joined the efforts since everything got started. And they can give you kind of an outsider perspective. Maybe they haven't been sold entirely on the vision. Because I, I think one of the things we do, Bob, and this can be one of the pitfalls of working with a change leadership team that you just have to be aware of as you do so much in-house talk about everything that you it's on your mind so much and you're talking about it so much that all of a sudden you assume that everybody else in your church is thinking about it as much as you are and has heard about it as much as you have. And, and to be honest, they probably haven't thought about anything you've said since the last Sunday they were, they were there, which may not have been last Sunday. It may have been three Sundays ago and they haven't thought about anything that you've said in, in those three weeks. And, and so you, it's good to get evaluation from them as well. Even more, Jimbo, they might not be even thinking about it while you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> that is sadly true. That is sad. I know. It's like, I've, I've, I've been in meetings before and I've said, um, you know, uh, you know, just waxing eloquent on, on a vision or an objective or something like that. And then you'll toss it to somebody and they'll just be like, well, what? <laughs> like, man, we're like, where were you? Like, I was like, I can't go back and get that last minute and a half. Um, so all that to say, 
<laughs> verb, you got to, when you're talking about whatever you're talking about, you've got to, you got to talk about it. You got to write about it. You got to give a piece of paper about it. You've got to remind them what you said over and over and over and over again. Every meeting you go back to, hey, here's why we're here. Here's what we're talking about. All those sorts of things. It seems very, very elementary. But the best leaders do that. And they do that in ways that they don't, you don't feel like they're repeating everything mm-hmm. and not making it so um, pedantic. I mean, it's just like they're talking about it, right? And, and you get inspired because of, and as if you're a leader listening to a leader who's really good at that, you, you sit back, at least I do, I sit back and kind of admire them and go, man, look how many ways they brought uh, their, their vision, their objectives, their goals, or evaluation, just, you know, creating that great picture for the people that they're communicating with. It takes a lot of work, uh, but it's worth it. Yeah, I don't know that you could over-communicate things, and that, to me, is evidenced in how often I've worked real hard to make sure the whole church knows about something, some moment, some event, some objective. And so I've preached about it. We've announced it. We've put it on social media. We've sent out text messages. We've asked small group leaders to talk about it. And then my wife will be, hey, what was that you were talking about? When is that thing? (laughs) What are we trying to do? What is this about? And I'm just like, okay, all right, okay. So you can't. You can't over communicate things. And, and so evaluate everything, not all the time, but set specific kind of target moments, depending on how long range or short term your vision is, break it up into some quarters and things like that and have times to evaluate with your change leadership team and then have times to get evaluation and feedback from people who aren't a part of that process. So they can give you the perspective of what it's really like to be on the receiving end of all of that. The last thing I would say is, and this one is one I've seen happen a lot of times where a guy will do a change leadership process so well, and he's leading towards a specific goal. And when he gets on the other side of that goal, they take a moment of rest and they relieve all of that tension of everything. And all of a sudden momentum dies with it. I think one of the ways I've seen this play out is guys who have had load in and load out teams for church plants or something like that. And, you know, so you got teams coming every Saturday, they're setting everything up Sunday after church, they're breaking everything down and it feels like such a burden and it feels like it's way too much to deal with. Um, But then what you find is they, once they finally get a permanent space and they're able to do that, they, they release that tension and, when they do, they lose the momentum. And so one of my mentors here in Jacksonville, Walter Bennett, the godfather of replanting, uh, he, he says that change leadership's like a, like a rubber band. If, if, you, if you put too much tension on it all at once, it'll snap. And if you don't put enough tension on it, it'll just go loose and not do anything. And so you always need to be moving. And, and that's, look, I'm not just talking this in the power of positive thinking and business talk, but really even in the sense of, I mean, our, like you said, the vision's never fully accomplished. Um, mm-hmm. we, we never fully reach everything that God desires our church to be. And so we should always be in the process of moving towards something. Mm-hmm. That's the goal after the goal, right? And it's the the next finish line. And I think I want to be careful in the sense that that 
we don't discourage guys that are out there that are working so hard to, uh, uh, you know, achieve some some objectives and goals in in their replant. That we say to them, as soon as you cross the finish line, you got to have another goal beyond that. But you really you really have to. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think about the football coach, and I don't know which football coach says it, but you know, most of them have this kind of philosophy. Hey, we're going to celebrate this win today. And then tomorrow we're going to start planning for the next game, right? Because it just, it just net week after week, after week, after week, after week. And, and so I think the same thing is true for us in, in leading in the church, right? It's never finished and there's always something more to do. And, and that's because the gospel is living because people are living because our life continues to go on and, and needs present themselves and opportunities present themselves. And so if, if your goal is to change the name and you change the name, you better have a goal after that. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to uh, pull off a particular outreach and program, well, what's your next one? Is it to disciple the, the folks or to assimilate them into the church? Is it to raise up a group of leaders? Okay, great. So you raise up a group of leaders for the children's ministry. Well, then what's the next group, et cetera. And just talking about that, you may make you feel exhausted if you're listening to this. So think about this achieve that goal, celebrate it for a day or two. And then even before you reach the finish line of that goal that you're just finished celebrating, think about what's the next goal. So this might be a a worthy uh, time for us to talk about maybe in a future podcast. How do you do long range planning uh, is part of your replant and long range by long range. I don't mean like necessarily five years, but a year Uh, in our short cycle because of COVID, it may be six and six months, nine months, maybe a year, like we're getting ready to go into that planning cycle right now where we're, we're going to, we're evaluating everything and everything is up for grabs. And so um, I just want to encourage guys, uh, the goal that you think is the finish line ain't the finish line. Let's just think about what Paul says, you know, um, he, he's continuing to run the race, right? And he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs. And that's really what replanting is. That's really what ministry is. We never finish. We never arrive. We continue to serve the Lord till we die and continue to lead until we die or until it's time for us to transition away from that, from that particular body. Yeah. And to just to be super clear, we're not talking about an importance and emphasis on maintaining activity, but there is a fight against spiritual apathy and mm-hmm. comfort is, is, is not a place we need to stay. We always need to be growing, and growing will be uncomfortable. And so we're not saying that, hey, if you reached 50, you got to now reach 100. And once you reach 100, you got to reach 150. Once you reach 150, you got to reach 200. Uh, But you need to constantly be pointing people in, taking steps towards becoming more like Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.